Hello, I'm Laura Ellsworth welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Deb Johnston to answer our medical questions. Dr. Johnston's specialty is family medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Johnston. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, everybody out there in radio land. Great. Or podcast land, I yes. guess. Yes. <laughs> However we listen, we have options these we days. We have options. For how we listen to things. And I think I was telling Bob and others a couple weeks ago, we had people listening in Florida on the streaming services ah. that the radio station provides. So it's great. Options. Yes, that is great. Options are wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, Dr. Johnston, this week our topic is underrepresented populations uh, with healthcare. Tell yes. us about what that what that even what is. that means. Yes. Yeah. So um, you know there are a lot of people who might be considered an underrepresented population. I think our show is very much going to focus on the Native American experience, and that makes sense. That is certainly the uh, largest demographic of underrepresented individuals in uh, our area here in South Dakota and in the uh, Prairie Dock kind of outreach region. Um, But if we think about it a little more broadly, underrepresented populations could be um, people with financial barriers to health care. And I think everybody kind of understands how that can really impact things. Certainly the people who live that experience uh, know very well what it's like to be deciding, well, can I afford my $10 prescription this month? Can I afford to go to the doctor? Can I, you know, how bad is this? Um, And that is a really significant barrier. And even those of us who are in a better financial position and don't have to worry about that $10 prescription, you know, boy, there's an awful lot of prescriptions out there that are three, five hundred dollars a month. And uh, especially if you don't have good insurance to help you or your insurance doesn't want to cover it, there's an awful lot of prescriptions out there that can be over a thousand dollars a month. And that adds up for most of us who aren't independently wealthy. Mm -hmm. So I think we can all appreciate the impact that finances might have. But there's other things that can really impact your access to health care, too. Uh, location, certainly in our rural areas here, I think everybody understands, gee, you know, I got to go to Sioux Falls for this specialist or that procedure or whatever it may be. Uh, and for those of us here in Brookings, you know, that's kind of an inconvenience, but hey, it's kind of nice to get a chance to maybe go out to dinner or whatever. Sure. So, you know, uh, it's not such a big deal, but boy, if you start living further away, if you live in Pier, if you live in Aberdeen, um, or if you live in Mobridge, um, access to specialists and access to healthcare providers uh, may be pretty limited. And there's certainly communities where they don't have any local 
healthcare at all. So um, that's one of the barriers. Uh, then education can be a barrier. You know, if people don't, um, it can't read very well, uh, it can be very hard to communicate if you don't have um, access to the internet. You know, we have these great tools now to let people send us questions and log into their medical record mm -hmm. and see results. But if you don't have uh, a smartphone, if you don't have an internet access, you know, you're, you're cut off from that. Um, culture, if your language, if your first language isn't English, um, if you don't really speak English very fluently, uh, even with translators, that can make it harder for you to communicate with your healthcare team. And, and uh, even if you do speak English very well, even if English is your native language, uh, if you come from a different culture, Sometimes those um, expectations and just uh, the way we phrase things, we may not understand each other as well as we think we do. And then the big elephant in the room, uh, race. Race is a huge issue when it comes to uh, people accessing health care, and there have just been um, study after study after study showing how different outcomes can be uh, based on the race of, of the patient, and certainly the race of the provider can play into that too. Um, but we know that um, black women, for example, have significantly higher risks of death associated with their pregnancies. Um, we know that uh, Hispanic individuals are more likely to develop diabetes, um, and we know that Native American individuals are also at higher risk for various diseases and often find it more difficult to access that care. So, and there's a lot of reasons for that. The chronic stress that um, is associated with being a minority individual in our culture um, certainly plays a significant role. Um, also, a lot of history, a lot of uh, historical events can really uh, and very understandably damage the trust that a person of color might have in the healthcare system. For example, um, some of our listeners may not be aware of the Tuskegee study, uh, which really ended in, in my lifetime, you know, and in, in maybe not my adult lifetime, but this continued for a horrifyingly long time period of time, uh, and it was basically an observational study of syphilis. They enrolled uh, many black men in a study, and uh, although syphilis was treatable, they did not treat these men. Mm. They were simply, and they didn't tell these men, well, we're not going to treat you, we're just watching to see what happens. So they, they denied these men treatment for this disease to see what would happen, mm. which is unconscionable and horrible and horrifying. We mm -hmm. should all be horrified by that. Um, and that wasn't that long ago. And so there is some well-earned mistrust of the healthcare system and uh, with research that um, members of communities, uh, minority communities, communities of color uh, certainly have of the system. And that interferes with their accessing care. 
add to that that historically um, we have not done a very good job at getting diversity in our study populations. Um, so there's a lot of uh, arguments, well, we, we want to remove as many variables as we can when we're trying to test this treatment or test this uh, whatever it is that mm. we may want to be studying. So we want our, our study population to be as alike as possible. This was a reason that they excluded women from a lot of studies for a very long time. Um, and naturally, I would expect it's a lot harder to enroll people of color in these studies because uh, why should people of color trust that that, that they're going to be treated fairly after that kind of history? Um, but what it also means is that when I am prescribing a new drug, um, it may not have the same track record. It may not have the same evidence mm -hmm. proof behind it uh, for a person of color or a woman uh, as it does for a man. And we are d increasingly discovering uh, how those factors can play a role in how effective a treatment is. I think conversations like this help all of us be more aware. Uh, you know, many of us go about our days not thinking about these nope. things, right? So we, conversations like this help us. We be, have the absolute privilege. Right? All three of us in this mm -hmm. room have the absolute privilege that we don't have to think about race and how that impacts the way we move through the world. Mm -hmm. What are some improvements you are seeing in recent years um, in how in training opportunities or um, communication or opportunities in the clinic? I think that, you know, uh, one of the most obvious is that uh, there is more awareness of the need for diversity in study populations, and there is more awareness that, uh, hey, you know, people of different ethnic backgrounds may not respond the same, so we need to be looking for that. For example, um, you know, my one of my go-to medicines for uh, somebody with high blood pressure is a class of medicines called the ACE inhibitors. Those would be things like lisinopril and allopril, those kinds of, of medications that a lot of people are on. Um, but they're not such great choices for, for black individuals, mm -hmm. um, black Americans. So um, we're more aware of how we may need to... Um, use different treatment options based on um, other characteristics that individuals may have. Uh, and we're more aware of the need to include those in studies, and there's more requirement for diversity in the study populations instead of just being able to, you know, test this out on adult white men. They're being required to include women. They're being required to include people of color and people of different uh, genetic and ethnic and societal backgrounds. So that's a big change and a big improvement. Um, there's also more conversations going on um, about the impact that uh, cultural, different cultural experiences have and more awareness that uh, about our own unconscious biases the mm -hmm. idea that um, you know there's one un additionally horrifying idea that uh, black people don't feel pain the way white people do so mm -hmm. they don't need the pain medicines that uh, that white people do and just a lot of our own cultural expectations you know we all 
well, as we said earlier, people can listen from anywhere. So maybe we're not all listening here, Americans, but um, most of our listeners are probably Americans and living in America. And uh, as people who live in America, we have been presented with certain cultural ideas that we internalize without necessarily realizing them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this results in a lot of black men, particularly being shot for doing things that uh, a Caucasian man would never have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, about black men, black teenagers uh, being perceived as dangerous when they're doing exactly the same things as a group of white kids might be doing. Um, being uh, punished differently for the same behaviors. Uh, very recently we had the example of the college basketball players and uh, the uh, young woman who was black getting criticized for doing the exact same motion that the young woman who was white had mm. been praised for doing. Um, so we have kind of different behavioral standards, different expectations, different consequences for the same thing. And I think we're having a better conversation about that. And although I'd like to say that healthcare providers are quote unquote above that, we're not. We're Mm -hmm. part of the same culture that everybody else is. And we really need to make a conscious effort to examine those um, ideas, those unspoken, unrealized, unconscious uh, expectations and biases. And I think we're doing a better job at talking about that, moving beyond just kind of uh, cultural sensitivity um, to doing some more self-examination. Mm-hmm. It's We're very early. We, we need to keep working on it, but um, at least there's some awareness of right. that. Right. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Shingles, also called herpes zoster, is a painful rash disease. Shingles can lead to severe nerve pain called postherpetic neuralgia that can last for months or years after the rash goes away. Shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus, the same virus that causes chickenpox. If you've had chickenpox, you can get shingles. Almost one out of three people in the United States will develop shingles in their lifetime. You can get shingles at any age, but it's more common in older adults. Older adults also are more likely to have severe disease. The Center for Disease Control recommends that people age 50 and older get the shingles vaccine called Shingrex. Set an appointment to discuss shingles with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer our questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. 
This week in the Prairie Dog world, we are talking about underrepresented populations. And earlier in this program, Dr. Johnston gave us a great overview of what that means and the different barriers different groups of people uh, face when it comes to receiving health care and finding quality health care um, opportunities. Uh, Dr. Johnston, tell us about um, the television show for this week, tomorrow night, and the guests that you will have on this week. Yeah, I'm really excited about this um, because my guests are uh, experts not just because of uh, what they do, but because of who they are. So uh, we're going to have four guests this um, this week. And of course, those of us who've, who've watched the show know that that would be pretty crowded. So that we're going to have a couple that'll probably swap out for us. But um, all of the guests that we're going to have are enrolled members, are, are Native American individuals. So they have not just expertise as professionals, but because of, you know, not just what they are, but who they are. Mm-hmm. So um, they have professional expertise and personal experience with this. Uh, we have J.R. LaPlante, who is a lawyer, who is the director of tribal relations with Avera. Uh, we have Dr. Sophie Tuhawk, who's an internal medicine doctor in Sioux Falls. And then we have uh, Dr. Mora and Dr. Whitman, who are both residents earlier in their training. So it'll be interesting to hear from them what their perspective is on, you know, what kind of uh, exposure, attention that this issue has gotten through the course of their training, as opposed to, you know, my 30-year-old training and and Dr. Tuhawk, I think, is a contemporary of mine, so um, her training is also a lot uh, earlier. Um, So I think it'll be a really good conversation, and of course, uh, again, the focus will very much be on the Native American experience, but um, we need to remember that although there are certainly going to be barriers that are unique to the Native American population, um, a lot of the things that Native American individuals experience in the arena of trying to access health care um, in some ways are universal. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that other people, uh, other populations also face those barriers. So, again, a lot of unique things about the Native American population, but um, a lot of overlap, too. So I think it'll be a really, really good conversation. And frankly, I think it's a really important conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned both Dr. Mora and Dr. Whitman uh, are both in their residencies, so yes. getting trained uh, to do all, all the things. Um, yeah, that's right, all the all things. The things. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about how important it is to have um, representation in the medical field, uh, uh, like having Native American physicians that I think it is extremely important. I think it's extremely important that people see themselves reflected in... in the face of their healthcare team, in the face of the people they see on TV, in the face of the people they see reflected in the media, um, in their university professors. I, th- I think it's just really important that people see themselves reflected to have an idea of, hey, I, I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I am a, a Native American girl, Uh, growing up on the reservation or, you know, in the community, wherever I may happen to be, if I 
can see a Native American girl who is a doctor, uh, then that makes it a little more approachable to think that, hey, maybe I could do that too. Uh, So I think it's an extremely important thing from that aspect, but it's also a really important thing to think that um, my doctor understands where I'm coming from in a way that you can't necessarily expect that when I go in to see Dr. Johnston, she understands what it means to be a black woman or a Native American woman or a gay woman in this culture. Um, Doesn't mean that that she can't empathize. It doesn't mean that she can't want to and try to understand. Uh, But for a lot of people, knowing that that person has a personal experience really helps you feel more seen and more understood and like um, you have a better rapport, a better relationship and uh, feel safer sharing experiences that you've had. I know that as a mom with special needs kids, um, I really feel that when I share some of those experiences with my patients, who are going through similar things, um, it really seems to bring them comfort Mm -hmm. when I can say, yeah, you know, um, my child's condition is not the same as yours, but I know what it's like to be in that waiting room. Um, And I know what it's like to look for the right specialist for your kid. And I know what it's like uh, to worry about what their future is going to hold. So I think any kind of shared experience uh, really adds some depth to that interaction and to that relationship. And uh, a lot of what I do in medicine is about building that relationship with the person. This is a journey that we're on together. uh, And the more they know that um, I really do see them, I really do understand where they are on that path, uh, the stronger that relationship is. And again, you know, that doesn't mean that your doctor needs to have exactly the same experience as you do. Um, but I do think that it gives you a leg up in building that exper- that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure just having a well-represented employ- employees uh, yeah. in your clinic or in anyone's workplace just helps all of us be better organizations and, and understanding how to Absolutely. People People Mm -hmm. bring different perspectives to the table, and that's true irregardless of Mm -hmm. what field you are in. Um, The more perspectives you have, the the better view of the whole picture you can get. Mm -hmm. So having uh, colleagues who have a different uh, life story and life experience than mine, can really help me appreciate those other perspectives and understand those other perspectives and um, think about things that I never thought about before. Um, So I I think it's just a really good thing overall for us to know people who have different backgrounds than ours. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Hospice is medical care designed to maximize comfort and quality of life for patients facing terminal illnesses. Hospice provides pain management, emotional support, help with family care, and spiritual care to the patient and their family when a cure is not possible. Brookings Health System employs a caring team of professionals and volunteers sensitive to the changing needs of patients and family members during this difficult time. To find out more about hospice in the Brookings, South Dakota area, call 696-9000 or talk with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Deb Johnston is here to answer our questions. You can give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Johnston, I've been learning a lot this morning. Thank you. It's a fascinating topic. Uh, We are talking about underserved populations and different barriers individuals may face when it comes to receiving health care. And we've talked about this tomorrow night on our television program, we'll be focusing some on the Native American populations Mostly. and their hurdles that yes. they, they face. Now, I have to be honest, I really don't know very much about Indian Health Service. Could you give us a broad introduction, overview of how that yeah. works? Because I, I honestly don't know much about it. And, and I am by no means an expert, mm-hmm. which is why I'm certainly happy that we have people who are experts that are going to be there to to talk with us. But um, IHS is a federally um, sponsored organization with the treaty required goal of providing health care to Native American populations. And um, as more so than many other aspects of health care, it is chronically underfunded. Um, and chronically understaffed and uh, plagued by a lot of quality uh, concerns. Um, And there are, I want to make it very clear that there are absolutely wonderful people, uh, dedicated, capable, um, committed people who work in IHS, um, but they have a big hurdle, a big challenge that they're trying to to carry and the whole idea behind IHS is the is that um, this is uh, a way for Native American populations to access health care um, so it is uh, it is a, a clinic a set of hospitals it is a uh, system of providing health care to those populations um, that it often needs to be supplemented by either private insurance or Medicaid or uh, other sources of payment. Um, 
And like a lot of kind of capitated or uh, limited systems, um, it, there can be a lot of um, essentially rationing that goes mm. on in that. Uh, so you, we were talking earlier about how finances can impact your ability to access care. Um, and I think most people who have insurance uh, are familiar with how frustrating it is when your insurance won't pay for your Ozempic or mm. your insurance won't pay for your rheumatoid arthritis treatment. Um, imagine how frustrating it is when your insurance won't let you see the orthopedic doctor, won't let you get your knee replaced, won't pay for uh, whatever it is um, because either they feel your need isn't as great as somebody else's or they're just out of money and you're just out of luck. Mm -hmm. So um, it is a system that is supposed to provide for the health care of uh, tribal members um, that does not have the resources it needs to actually do so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to hearing your conversation tomorrow night with your guests. Me too. And learning more <laughs> about that. So yeah, that will be great. Thank you for um, addressing the topic and discussing it with us this morning, Dr. It Johnston. It was a pleasure. Yes. And, and, you know, I didn't even get to talk about my favorite, you know, everybody go get your COVID booster. Yes. If you haven't had your bivalent booster, go get your bivalent booster. And uh, stay tuned. There may be a booster of the booster recommended for certain or at least allowed for certain very high-risk populations. So uh, stay tuned. And my personal non-expert expectation <laughs> We'll be doing this every fall, folks. Yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, very good. Well, before we go, please do be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc, most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This week on Thursday, April 20th, Prairie Doc host Deb Johnston will discuss underrepresented populations with Dr. Sophie Tuhawk from Avera Medical Group Internal Medicine, J.R. LaPlante, Director of Tribal Relations Avera, Dr. Arna Mora, and Dr. Carol Whitman. So tune in tomorrow night on SDPB Television to learn more. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>